We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome in to the tailgate. It's a Friday edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast, and the weekend is here, and so is the postseason. Let's go. Sooner Softball will host UMBC in the Norman Regional tonight at 8.30. We'll preview the Sooner's postseason path with Lauren Chamberlain, Jessica Cootie from Sooner Sports TV will swing by. Eric Lopez, our buddy from the In the Circle podcast and FastPitchNews.com. Plus, we'll wrap things up with Patty Gasso in her entire pre-tournament press conference along with G. Juarez, Kaylee Clifton, and Sid Romero. But let's start by handing it off to our buddy, Toby Rowland. What a night in Austin, Toby. A big win for the Sooner baseball team on Thursday night in Austin. Opening game of their final series of the regular season at Dishfalk Field in Oklahoma gets the win 4-2. The win guarantees the Sooners a spot in the Big 12 tournament next week in Bricktown. And it also pushes the Texas season to the brink of extinction. One win on Friday for Oklahoma. And Texas will be the ninth place team in the Big 12 and will miss the Big 12 tournament. Really, the story of the night on Thursday night was Nathan Wiles, his longest outing of the season. He goes eight complete innings, actually pitched into the ninth before he was uh, taken out of the game. He was fantastic. Eight strikeouts, no walks. Wiles was rock solid all night long. And the Sooners managed enough offense. They scored the first four runs of the game. Tyler Hardman had a couple of hits. Brady Harlan had a couple of hits. 
and Jason Ruffcorn came in to nail down the save in the ninth inning. He got three outs on three pitches, and the Sooners pick up their 32nd win of the year. So Oklahoma wins game one. They are now into the Big 12 tournament. They'll play a doubleheader on Friday at 1 o'clock and at 6.30. At this point, they're trying to gather RPI points to strengthen their resume for the NCAA tournament and trying to work their way up the seeding ladder for the Big 12 tournament in Bricktown. But a good win for Oklahoma on Thursday night in Austin. They take it by the final of 4-2. to two. And afterwards, Toby's broadcast partner, Ross Hubbard, caught up with a fired-up Skip Johnson. Join with Skip, uh, 4-2 victory down here. Skip, uh, execution, that's kind of what I think today was about. I mean, that's what our team's really been about all year. Early in the year, we were executing just like that, and uh, um, Nate did a great job of uh, uh, mixing his pitches and keeping them off balance, and that's what he does, and making some big pitches. And he said in the ninth, he said, I got this, I got this. And he makes a quality pitch. The guy stays back and hits a hits a bad pitch and gets a single out of it. How crucial yeah. how, cru- how crucial is that when, uh, on a, on a Friday or Thursday night, really, to come out and it saves the bullpen a little bit? It's huge, man. I mean, anytime, anytime a guy in college baseball can go eight innings, and uh, it's going to really help the bullpen extremely a lot so it's uh, uh it's huge by him uh he's done it most of the year he's going to give you five innings six innings seven he's been consistent doing that he's a workhorse and and we're really proud of him i think of two big double play balls and then a play by mckenna in the top in the bottom of the eighth i mean defensively you're outstanding tonight yeah it was huge i mean we played defense all year and uh, um we turned a lot of double plays and it was really big that we did that tonight and played defense and come out and took an early lead and got, gained a little bit of confidence I mean, in the third there, we should have scored a run if we just execute on looking at a ball, looking at a ball up in the zone instead of swinging a ball down in the zone. Double play or double headers in the Big 12. I mean, how do, how do you go into that as opposed to just playing one? You hope and pray. You know, because, I mean, these kids, ain't they're not used to being out on the field for six and seven hours. I mean, all we can practice is three hours. Now they're fixing to be out for six or seven hours because we got to get it in because we don't have an extra day. And, I mean, that's part of life. we got to deal with it and, uh, uh, and uh, uh, got to go about it. All right, Coach. Uh, one big thing, too. Uh, Navarro Bulldogs going to Grand Junction. Um, talk a little bit about that. I know you spent a lot of time in Corsicana as did I. Yeah, uh, it really puts it, uh, I get emotional about it, but it really puts a tear in my eye and I'm really, really proud of Pudge and what they did because it's it's important. I mean, it's a part of uh, tradition that we set forth and uh, uh, really proud of those guys and uh, uh, congratulate them a lot. Man, what great news from Austin. Oklahoma wins game one of a series they desperately need knocking off the Longhorns 4-2 and an absolute gym from Nathan Wiles. Again, doubleheader today due to the weather forecasted. Not going to be pretty in Austin on Saturday. First pitch at 1 o'clock and then the nightcap at 6.30. Of course, you can listen to all the games on the Sooner Radio Network. To find an affiliate for Toby and Ross Hubbard, simply log on to Soonersports.com slash radio. All right, what a weekend we have ahead of you. It is left lane hammered down with softball talk the rest of the way on the Sooner Sports Podcast, and what a great way to start it. Let's welcome in the all-time home run leader in softball history, Lauren Chamberlain is in the house and low before we talk about the Sooners. Great to see you on TV last week. Lauren was on the Big 12 Tournament TV broadcast. How did it feel? How much fun did you have calling a little TV this weekend? 
Oh my gosh, that was so fun. I haven't done it actually in a couple of years and just with, you know, having to play and sometimes schedule conflicting and um, having to train and stuff like that. I don't always get the opportunity, but I was so bummed it got rained out because I was just getting into my groove. <laughs> what were you, uh, before I get into your thoughts on the Sooners, you threw a tweet out yesterday and I kind of wanted to spend some time talking about it because I think it's an exceptional point and you uh, spent your career with the pride of the NPF, and we've seen the sport grow, but it can grow more. So, Lo, what can we do to carry over the momentum that college softball takes, or I guess maybe just the sport of softball takes from the College World mm-hmm. Series, and what can be done to carry that over into more eyes for the pro game? Oh, man, there's so many different ways to, to go about it, but I, I really think the funding, obviously, like there needs to be extra funding in softball, not even extra more. We just, there's not enough, there's not enough teams, um, owners and, and things like that. So really just creating um, almost, you know, the current league is, is working and it, it's going, but I think that there's certain things that can be fixed in that um, more eyes on it. So obviously television opportunities right now, it's um, the coverage is through uh, flow softball for this season. So that's a subscription that you guys can all try to get, <laughs> please get it online and, um, that's something that you guys can watch and they cover a lot of softball, but really just more eyes and, um, more visibility because as soon as we get eyes on it, the more funds come in, um, more butts in the seats get, you know, your athletes paid. So as, as far as that goes, we're not going to see any growth until people start, you know, fully buying in, um, to the current product and, and not everybody agrees with the current situation and the current model. But, um, I, I think if we change kind of the narrative and go back to the athletes that are working so hard to maintain a professional um, league and because and, you, get, you get your superstars from NCAA that everybody just loves and loves and loves. You can see that happening right now with like your Sydney Ramirez, Amanda Lorenz, all those types of players, and they all go to the league. And, you know, you have to fight to stay relevant and to fight to keep your brand alive and what you worked so hard for. And there shouldn't be a, a, a fall off. It shouldn't be a disconnect. So you've got a lot of athletes um, in the professional level that are working really hard to, you know, ensure that we stay visible and, and that we are respected for being the best at our sport. I'm going to tell you a lot about Lowe's facility and how you can train uh, with her if you would like. But before we get there, I want to know your thoughts on putting your eyes on the Sooner team. I know you've watched them. I know you've followed them. But when you finally got a chance to kind of see him in person, what'd you take away? What's made this team kind of find another level from what you've been able to see, Lo? Honestly, the experience. And, and we go back and people always talk about that 2013 team that I was on. And, and really, like, when I got to my senior class and what our senior class accomplished. But I look at these seniors and I'm like, holy cow, you guys have won two national championships. You you finally learned what defeat was. So they do have that in their pocket too. They understand that feeling. So they don't want to feel that again from last year. You just got like a really motivated senior class. I think their leadership and their experience is unmatched across the board, really looking at all the other teams. What is it weird for you? And again, it just, I feel like Lauren Chamberlain was playing college softball yesterday. So is it weird (laughs) for you when you, is it weird for you to look out there and realize, my gosh, this is a, this is the first class that will graduate that I in, that I didn't play with. I mean, is that kind yeah. of odd for you whenever you're watching? Um, you know, honestly, the blessing of being able to play professionally allows me to still feel like, you know, I'm, I am still playing. So you don't really right. have that that feeling of, um, oh, my God, like I, I was just playing, you know. So at least I get to <laughs> physically continue to play. But there's nothing like college softball. I mean, there's literally nothing like – playing in front of senior fans so I do get almost like a little twinge of jealousy where I'm like oh I just wish I still wore that uniform like those memories 
holds so much uh, just weight in my heart. So I, it, I don't know. It, there's nothing like college softball. So, yeah, I, I do wish I could throw a uniform on and go back and play for a little bit. From the lessons learned through the paths, uh, several different paths you had to take through the postseason, uh, Lauren, what would be your charge to this class when, when, and if and when Patty Gasso says, hey, Lo, I want you to come talk to this team, what would be the message that you would want to kind of push on them or at least uh, accentuate to them? Uh, with this team, your foot is on the neck and you just got to twist it. I know that sounds terrible, but you really got to just like, like you're on the gas right now. Don't let up. Like there's no mercy on anybody. And, and I think that they're in the driver's seat right now. So if they keep playing ball, um, the way that they've been playing all season, it just, it re- again, it reminds me of that 2013 team and they've, they've had plenty of teams like this since then. But from my experience, um, I know what it's like to be winning, right? Like in beating everyone right. and you just kind of steamroll. So if you're on the get foot's on the gas, like don't let off, don't hit the brake, just keep going and they can win it all. Your time at OU was unique with the Big 12 because uh, obviously it was a little bit of a different look for your first uh, first year, and then things kind of changed a bit. But, Lo, how, I guess, positive is it to see this conference starting to step up in softball? I know Baylor had a down year, but Texas Tech picks it up with Adrian Gregory. Texas goes out and spends money to bring in Mike White. Uh, Mike White. I know yep. uh, you were in Austin. And you were down there for that series. Uh, yeah. Kenny Gajewski is doing a really nice job at Oklahoma State. I think Jamie Pinkerton's doing a good job at Iowa State. And Jennifer McFalls is a former Texas assistant who finally got her first yeah. head coaching gig. And she's going to be – I mean, I, I just think from top to bottom, and you had a chance to see a lot of the teams last week, I think this conference is in a really good place in softball. Well, it's so nice, too. And, and really, it, it helps with the team so they don't have to so much pack up their, their preseason and hit the road against these – top-notch teams when you've got good ranked teams within your conference there's not too much pressure to you know have to go outside so limit your travel unlike the Sooners this year who just traveled everywhere it seems like I couldn't I was like guys play at home one time but for facility purposes for facility purposes too and everybody you know is always talking about the SEC which is amazing there that's a great conference and um it just means more you know whatever but with the big 12 it's it's where's our facilities, right? And that's, they come from right. people going uh, into the stands and selling out. And when you've got good recruits coming in and you keep winning, you're bringing more fans. And so it's really just kind of like a ripple effect that when you get good coaches and you get good recruits, you're going to start seeing facilities and, and generating more money. So it's a huge win for the Big 12. I, I think people are catching on. Well, I get asked a lot, and no one can probably answer this question better than you. So I'll see the floor to you. What is it that allows this program to consistently stay at the level that it's at? What is it that has allowed this team, and I say team, I'm not just being specific to 2019, but in right. general, OU softball to consistently be at a championship level? Coach Patty Gasso. That's it. Exactly. Her, exactly. her culture and her presence. I mean, it just demands excellence, and it's always been that way, and it's never wavered. And, you know, she talks about kind of um, switching up her coaching style a little bit, given, like, the athletes and the type of athletes coming in. And But she's mastered bringing out the best in people and, and having it be con- so consistent. Every single day, you're, you're demanding excellence. So I think just her, her steady presence and, and how she's managed to create, like, an unwavering culture. So I would say Patty Gasso for sure. I, I use the term when I talk about Patty, consistent. You know, there's there's yeah. nothing that wavers. There's not suddenly you're like, oh, gosh, which which coach are we getting today? 
uh, low, and, and I'm sure that maybe there's been times whenever you felt that wrath as a player, but there is mm-hmm. nothing about her that, that wavers. She is consistent in her expectations and in her foundation for mm-hmm. the program. No, absolutely. And, it's, and when you were at practice, it wasn't, it's not a fear base, right? Like a lot of coaches go by right. fear and, and it's almost like I'm going to intimidate you to, to have to make that play. And it wasn't, it was never that. It was when I was on the field, I wanted to be perfect. I wanted to, I, I wouldn't expect or accept less than perfect. That's how I, how I played. And that came from her. So it was almost like she brought the culture and she explained what her expectations were, but then you developed the same expectations for yourself. So then she ends up managing more than coaching, if that makes sense. Then it's, then she can watch her team unfold because you have that inner expectation of yourself. It's pretty freaking awesome. And I've only really gotten to, you, you appreciate, you appreciate it when you're there, but then when you leave and you experience different coaching staff and you're playing professionally and it's just, you're out of that OU culture, you really appreciate what's developed there. I'll ask one more question on OU, then I want to brag about you before we wrap up. Well, <laughs> I, I've been having a hard time putting my finger on it. This is the fourth year. I, I, I got to go on a couple of trips whenever you played, but we didn't start doing, unfortunately, every game until the year after you graduated. So this is my fourth year traveling with them. There's something yeah. different about the personality of this team and the energy. And I've kind of pointed a finger at one person, and you were a teammate with her. Kaylani Ricketts just I don't know what it is it's obviously <laughs> her it's her it's her presence low but it's her personality as well too and I don't think people realize how funny she is and how fun loving she is and having her around can make a major difference I think it has for this team oh yeah no absolutely and I think when you get when you've got a player that is so good right like she's so incredible <laughs> just her as a pitcher and just athlete hitter I mean she's so extremely talented. So you want to level up when you're around her, right? Like that's how I felt when I was her teammate. Um, still as her teammate with each of they pride. You just want to be on your A game when you're around great athletes like that. But then her personality, like you said, fun loving, down to earth, almost makes you feel super comfortable. So it's very freeing when you have a personality like that around you that can bring out the greatness in you, but not put pressure on it. That's a, it's such a a cool mix. And um, that's why we get along so well. We're always joking on the field, but when it's go time, it's go time, you know? So I think having that, that balance and going back and forth a little bit has allowed these players to really develop, but stay, stay calm and true to themselves. You know, I've talked about it a lot and it's, it's kind of a hard thing to really put your finger on, but there's a different feel around this team. Maybe, maybe it is that they've been on the road so much that you're just spending more time together and you're kind of forced to spend every minute together. You can't slip away to home or, or get away to study. You're always in a group, but can't help but think that having Kaylani Ricketts back on the bench and having her as a part of this coaching staff has made a major difference. And you heard the great things that Lauren Chamberlain had to say about her as a teammate and a person. Well, Jessica Cootie joins us right now on the podcast and, Boy, Jess, I know that you're great friends with Lauren Chamberlain. And before we talk a little softball, how selfless and, I mean, just how prepared was Lauren Chamberlain? What a what a fantastic example for young softball players everywhere. You know, one thing that I wanted to point out, why I wanted you to ask you about her, is that I don't think she points this out enough. Like, she doesn't, you know, she's great and she, um, you know, she's got lessons and people lined up to work with her. And it, it goes far beyond just her being – Lauren Chamberlain and the uh, home run queen, but you know what? Uh, what I think is really impressive about what she does is like when she coaches. It's not only just like the the swing and the hitting; it's it's the mental aspect of it. And when she has camps, I mean, she will take a part of her camp where they are not doing anything physical. 
she's talking to them about, you know, the mental aspect of it. Because, you know, again, you, you, we talk about it, but it's easier said than done that it's a game of failure and baseball is a game of failure. And, you know, there's so much pressure on each at bat. And, you know, for her, she tries to, from the second she starts working with, with kids, whether they are five, six years old or 13, 14, 15, is, is understanding that, you know, that, that part of it is just as big of it as the other part. And so, you know, she has a lot of parents that say, you know, thank you. I, you know, I worry, you know, my kid just beats up on herself every time she doesn't, if she gets out one time, she goes three for four. You, know, you just, you there, we, we live in a society where we're supposed to be perfect all the time. Right. And, and perfectionist. And I think that's one thing that Lauren does a great job of, of is bringing it back down and reminding that, that you're not going to get a hit every time you go up to the plate. You might not even get a hit half the times you go up to the plate. So, um, yeah, I think that's a really cool aspect of what she does and which is what makes her so successful. So if anyone's thinking about going to work with her, that is by far and away what I've seen from parents and kids that they talk about um, is almost the most important part of working with Lauren Chamberlain. That's awesome. And I also think, Jess, too, this is this might sound cheesy, but she's she's fun. You know, there's there's certain people that when you cover them, there there's people that are miserable, and there's people that maybe you know it's it's just part of what they do. Hey, I play softball or I play baseball, whatever. But in everything she does around the sport, she's having fun, even if it's just a promotional thing. And I think that that type of energy is what I see in this team. And I've been hard to put it's been hard to put my finger on it all season long, but. You love to have people like that around you. Well, did anybody see her post? She was doing this like <laughs> tutorial about digging, uh, digging like bad throws at first, and she's like telling about how to do it. And next thing you know, she just gets like hit <laughs> with one. Gut. And she posted it and laughed about it. So it's like that's that's what she does, you know. Ugh, love it. Jessica Cootie is in the house now. I know you'll be you'll be kind of getting ready for the Big 12 tournament with baseball. I know you're going to be out at softball this weekend. We always kind of joke that things slow down, but it's a very busy time for you. And, you know, with that, I'm kind of jacked for you to be out there and watch this team this weekend. Kind of what's been your perception watching the Sooners continue to roll 39 straight wins down the stretch with a softball team this year? Yeah, uh, it's been fun. Um, I'm actually – I can't say it. We're doing something fun today with them as well. And, you know, you talk about their personalities and I'm excited to be involved with it. And, um, you know, they, it's just, it, it, it kind of what Lauren was talking about earlier, you know, when they came in and we retweeted the freshman before the senior piece or before the senior weekend, Andy being put out the piece that I did on them when, as like a TBT of when they were freshmen. And I'll just never forget, you know, they, they were following Lauren and, and Shelby Penley and George Casey and, you know, that incredible class that, you know, again, that's kind of when it started, like the winning is class, the winning is class. It's kind of been that since, you know, um, and they came in and they weren't supposed to be good, you know, and they weren't, it's, oh, they're, they're going to be good, but you got to give them a couple of years. It's kind of what people were saying, you know, and then. I'll never forget Coach Gasson said, no, we can be good, and we can be good right now. And so, um, you know, they 
from there, you know, they, they didn't really know. They were, they were kind of the underdog, and they, they went and they won the national title and kind of, like, surprised a bunch of people. But then when, you know, the next year, I remember thinking, God, they're the defending national champs, and they still weren't supposed to win. You know, I remember, like, thinking, how are people not expecting them to come out here and win? You know, but, again, they were still young and, and whatnot. And then last year, so, so then they win, and then last year, so she's saying that they've tasted defeat now. So they they know kind of both both ends, and so it's just they've come full circle in it, and they understand what it takes to get there. But then they also understand what they've done that kept them from getting there. Um, they're on a mission. Uh, they are just again we we've talked about it in the last few weeks, but I still don't feel like I don't I never felt like even the last three years, even though they were. Um, you know, very, very good and, and had won national titles. I just still didn't feel like the amount of just the the way that I felt about the 2013 team when it was just like, like Lauren talked about the foot on the gas. I mean, they were just had their foot on their necks and were not letting, were taking no mercy, no prisoners throughout that entire season. And that's kind of what I feel like this team is now. You know, it's kind of like that, that's, the way that they're dominating and the, the way that they're playing and clicking on all cylinders is just pretty unbelievable. Again, we'll be on the air with an 8-15 pregame show for the 8-30 first pitch. And can't wait for Oklahoma and UMBC. The Sooners extend their win streak to 40 straight. They'll play tomorrow at 3 o'clock against the winner of Notre Dame and Wisconsin. And again, we'll have all that action for you on the Sooner Radio Network, 107.7 FM, the franchise. Now, for a lot of you, maybe this is the first time where you're really getting into softball, so I thought maybe we'd bring in our buddy Eric Lopez from FastPitchNews.com, the In the Circle podcast, and kind of get a feel for what's going on around the country and kind of who are some teams outside of Oklahoma to keep an eye on. But, uh, Eric, first of all, thanks for joining us. You and I talk a lot about the selection process and about the selection committee, and we've been very vocal, I guess you could basically say critics of some of the decisions that have been made in the past, but I can't help but feel that the selection committee got it right. Don't feel like there is anyone that was left out as a host that was deserving, and I don't think that there was anyone that was left out of this tournament that belonged in. I agree with you. I actually think compared to past years, I think the committee did a pretty good job. I think they got the the right 16 hosts. Um, I think they hit that right. Uh, I was surprised they picked Southern Illinois as one of the bubble teams, but I'm not going to complain about a mid-major team getting in over an Oregon State. Um, yeah, I think if you take away the Alabama-Florida seeding situation, I don't think there will be too much complaining. It's just unfortunate <laughs> that – they put Florida number five and Alabama number eight. Like I just, I understand Alabama's non-conference schedule is not their best, but they still beat Arizona at Arizona and they beat Minnesota twice. That alone should have gotten them to the at least the number five seed. If you flip Alabama into Florida seeds, I think people would okay. You get it. We, right. we punished them to be a non-conference uh, schedule. You put them from instead of a two or a three seed to a five seed. I think people would have understood that and moved on, but they didn't do that. But, but otherwise, otherwise, I thought it was a pretty good, and I think the good news is we got some intriguing matchups across the board. Boy, we really do. Uh, and obviously, I want to get your take on this Norman Regional. And, I, and I've said this a lot. You know, there was a great battle about who was going to end up being in that 
uh, that that final, if you will, what what would that be? The 16th seed and who Oklahoma would have to face. And as we're getting down to 14, I thought, well, maybe it's going to be Michigan. And then Michigan gets to 15. And then all of a sudden in the 16, boom, it's Northwestern. So I don't mind that matchup. But my goodness, Eric, the selection committee did Oklahoma no favors. And again, I, I'm not dissing on UMBC by any stretch of the imagination, but that's a pretty good Wisconsin and Notre Dame team that could potentially be waiting for them in the second in the second game if they get by UMBC. You can make the argument that Northwestern as the 16th seed got an easier draw than Oklahoma <laughs> yes. did, which does not yes. make any sense. You would think it'd be the other way around. Um, I agree with you. I mean, Wisconsin can hit, and they got a good picture in men's. I think they're very talented. Notre Dame has got good talent, too. they got Holloway as a good pitcher. Yeah, for a number one seed, that's not a gimme of a regional at all. Um, so I think Oklahoma has to be focused. And you know this, Chris, obviously, obviously being so close with the program. You know, in the past, I remember a few years ago where Oklahoma lost the opening round game to North Dakota State and had to come from the loser's bracket. And, you know, Patty Gasso said it was the best thing that happened to them from a wake-up call. Well, hopefully they'll need that here. Can't afford to do that here. And uh, because I think I agree with you. I think Wisconsin and Notre Dame are dangerous. Uh, I think, the you know, both teams can play. I think the Badgers have a good offense. So uh, you're right. This is a very tricky regional for Oklahoma, and we'll see how they handle it. You know, and, of course, UMBC, you knew that was going to happen. They were going to copy the whole men's basketball storyline from two years ago with Virginia and UMBC. I expect to hear that uh, as part of the broadcast when Oklahoma's on the air, but on the television side. But, yeah, it's a tricky, tricky little regional for the Sooners. Eric, I want to focus a little bit, and we were talking with Lauren Chamberlain about this, about the Big 12 in general. You have a much better broad view of the college softball world. I'm very pigeonholed focused on OU and the Big 12. Now, I think you what would typify an offseason for the Big 12 is four teams in. Oklahoma's usually always in. Now, we kind of swap out Baylor, <laughs> who had a really tough year for Texas Tech, who doesn't look like they're going anywhere, with Texas and Oklahoma State uh, hosting. It since the conference split, Eric, this is about as good of a spot as the Big 12 has been in in a while. We got three teams hosting and one that was on the cusp of a top eight in Texas. Agreed. I think the and I think it's going to get stronger because I think Mike this might be Mike White's weakest team that he'll have at Texas. I think Texas will only get better under Mike White. So look out, you know, they say Texas is coming is back, folks, uh, in that regard. And Kenny Gajewski has done a heck of a job at Oklahoma State. I think he's doing. A, he's got that thing rolling over there in Stillwater. Let's not forget Jamie Pinkerton at Iowa State. They're going to be playing in what's the softball version of the NIT. They're going to be in that tournament, and you know. With a couple extra wins there against marquee teams, they might have been in the field of 64. And you would think Baylor next year will bounce back after everything went wrong for them with the injuries to Rodoni and company. So I agree. Uh, I think the Big Ten, uh, the Big 12 is as strong as it's ever been. And I think it's going to get stronger uh, moving forward. Uh, and I think it's a league that's been the number three strongest conference in college softball. And I think it's it's moving its way up, and I think it's getting actually it's made up some ground on the Pac-12. I think uh, for number two, and I think it's only going to get stronger. And I think Oklahoma has brought the best out of people in the Big 12. I think Texas getting Mike White, Oklahoma State getting Kenny Gajewski, Iowa State getting Jamie Pinkerton has helped this league become stronger than it's been in a while. Eric, take me on that broad view. Uh, some other regionals that caught your eye. I mean, just just for me personally. 
I love the fact that Minnesota got in the top eight, but holy smokes, they send Georgia and Drake there, two pretty good teams. What are some other regionals that caught your eye that you're intrigued by? Well, that's the toughest regional by far. Yeah, Minnesota, congrats. We, you got to host. You guys, we, we kind of hosed you two years ago. Now we're going to let you host, but you're going to have the toughest regional with Georgia out of the SEC. Drake, who I think should have been a two C is a three C with Michelle Newman, who's maybe the best pitcher people haven't heard about. So thrown five perfect games this year, Michelle Newman and wow. Drake. And then they've got the best number four seed in North Dakota State. I don't have to tell you about North Dakota State. You've seen them, and I think this They're North Dakota good. State team is way better than the one that went up there and beat Oklahoma a couple of years ago. It tells you the great job they've done wow. over there. So that is a stacked regional from that standpoint. And then the other one, obviously, is in Ann Arbor with Michigan, obviously, hosting and James Madison with Megan Good. Uh, you've seen them host in the last couple of years. They were a super regional in the 2016. They're very talented. I think that's a fascinating uh, regional. Um, so I think that's going to be very interesting. I think the Northwestern one, what's interesting about that is, obviously, you guys played Northwestern. you got Michelle Gascoigne, the former Sooner great, who's done a phenomenal job as a pitching coach at Northwestern. And I'll be curious to see how they respond against Louisville and Southern Illinois and try to set up potentially Oklahoma Northwest uh, Northwestern Super Regional. But I think there are some interesting, compelling supers. I think Florida, obviously very uh, scrutinized for being a number five national seed, having been paired up with Jessica Allister and Stanford and Boise State, kind of an odd regional there. We'll see how Florida, they can keep that momentum from the SEC tournament into the regional. So I think there's some interesting, compelling storylines across the, as far as some of those regionals that just stands out to me. Eric, before I let you go, fastpitchnews.com is the best place to find it. But uh, if you're not subscribed to the In the Circle podcast, you guys are doing a great job. When can we expect the next episode to drop, and how can we follow more of your guys' coverage of the NCAA tournament? We're on Mondays and Thursdays are when the episodes come out, so the next one will be coming out Thursday. We'll have full coverage of the breakdown of the regionals, uh, preview of the regionals, we'll recap the regionals. We're going to take you all the way to the postseason. We'll be at Oklahoma City uh, for the Women's College World Series. We might do another. We might do live shows from Oklahoma City, just like we did on Selection Sunday night. Uh, you can follow us uh, on In the Circle SB on Twitter. We, if, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, that's where you can get In the Circle uh, podcast there as well. And we'll cover the the whole the postseason. It's the best time of year. It's mayhem, as they say. And uh, I'm just looking forward to it. To the games here being decided. Hopefully, have some exciting games. There's usually they are uh, where we get this time of year. Those guys do a fantastic job. Simply search In the Circle on Apple iTunes, uh, whatever podcast app you use, whichever way you consume podcasts, you can listen to Eric and uh, FastPitchNews.com. Well, I thought a, a good way to break things down was just to give you all of the questions and answers today from the final presser, I guess you can basically say the only presser, before the Norman Regional. Patty Gasso sat down with Sid Romero Kaylee Clifton and G. Juarez, and answered questions from the media in advance of tonight's 831st pitch against UMBC. Um, but the first thing I talk to the team about is it doesn't get us anything. Right? To raise your finger as number one at the end of the season is what it means. So we're not too caught up in all of that. We know that we've got a tough regional. We're excited for the teams that are here and hope they have a great experience. But uh, this team's going to be ready to play. We've been playing really well, and we're excited to be at home. And I think that's the most important thing is counting on our crowd, fans, and sell out to help uh, motivate us to get through this. 
questions for our student athletes? Says, Dad, do you guys watch enough softball? Are you playing all the time? I mean, do you know about the teams in the regional before you get to this week? Uh, yes, I mean, they're all great teams. Um, we know we can't take any team lightly from here on out, so um, we just have to come out and play our best game. Giselle, what's it like going into this postseason? First time, first time being at OU. What's it like for you just to enter this and to finally put on that senior uniform and postseason play? Um, it's very exciting. Um, I mean, I feel like I've been here for a while. Um, I know I just got here, but like it also feels like I've been here for a long time. So it's just really exciting. For both Kaylee and Cindy, what is this like kind of going into your last tournament here? It seems like the whole season's been the build up for this for you guys. Um, I think it just feels good to be home and it feels good that, I mean, it's our senior year and we get to like do this at home with like our fans and so I think it's special for us. Yeah, I agree with Cece. Um, we haven't had much home games all year so it's nice to be home and play in front of our home crowd. Did it, was it okay to be on the road that much believing that you would be home in the next, in the, to host the first regional and maybe the second if you're fortunate enough to advance? Yeah, playing on the road is a lot of fun, especially with this group of girls. Um, we always go and do fun things, so um, keeps us busy, and we call us the Road Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> we have fun on the road. Coach, what did you see from uh, University of Maryland, Baltimore County, uh, that stands out so far? Very good young pitcher. Uh, her numbers are off the charts, so she's had a lot of success. Uh, teams that they find ways to score runs, but any time a team knows how to win a championship, which they did, they know how to win. So you can't, again, these guys, you can't take anything lightly, especially those who know how to win championships. Do you guys have any more questions for our student athletes? I got one. I one. You guys have played so well. I mean, it's, it's been so much fun covering you because you seem to be having so much fun, all of you, the joy. Now we get into postseason. Can you still play that way? Can you still play with such joy that whatever happens, happens? Or does everything get ratcheted up a little bit? No, our goal um, in this postseason is to not change anything. So um, I think you'll still see us having joy in the journey. So that's our goal from here on out, and it has been all season. I think the postseason is the most fun, so I think you might see it turned up a notch, honestly. Maybe for all three of you, um, you know, you could have gone, you're 49 and 2, I think, you could have gone 45 and 6. It'd be a terrific season. You'd be hosting a regional. You'd be in position to host a, but I mean, 49 and 2 is sort of insane. Was there a point at which you sort of had this idea, we're not going to lose again? I mean, when did you realize, if you realized, that you were on this level? Um, honestly, this team just plays to win. We don't really look at, I don't know, we don't look to lose. It's more of just having the mentality of just playing to win every game that we play and just going all out for it. I think it's cool that it ended up like that, but it's not something that we like focused on or tried to do or create. It's just something that happened because we like to compete and we like to win. So when we're doing that, get some good results, I guess. Um, yeah, same thing. Uh, I mean, they said it all. Uh, you can't say much better than that. We're just playing to win and having, again, like joy in the journey and enjoying our time with each other. And, I guess like part of me is also playing for our seniors in that incredible class and we're just playing for each other and I think that's the biggest thing. Anything else for you, Sydney Taylor? Thanks, Lynn. Thank you.
so many great pitchers, especially left-handers, that have led you guys through the postseason. You get Gina transferred in along with Shannon. Uh, she looks so much better now than she did at the first of the year. What, 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 what turned her on? What got her going? I think she needed time. And she did get here in January, and we, she had three weeks with us before we got started. So her beginning of her season was not great. But the more she spent time with Coach Rocha and the rest of our pitching staff, they really feed off of each other. They're a little sisterhood. And there's not one main leader. They all kind of share the innings. They all respect each other. So they are a really great tag team. But she needed time to get to know this team, to get to know her new pitching coach. And once she kind of let down her guard and trusted it, it just took off. Cody, I want to say, and I, I could be a faulty memory, I may be attributing something to you that never happened, but, but, when you, but when you guys won the World Series three seasons ago with such a young team, I have some vague memory of you saying at some point, oh, we may actually be pretty good. Um, I, I don't know that this is a rebuilding year like that year, but I mean, it, well, it isn't. But it, was there a point this season where it went from, you know, regular high expectations to sort of a ceiling like you've now sort of, yeah. If I'm telling the truth, I did not know that we would, if you asked, if you asked me if I thought we would have a winning streak of. Yeah, 39. 39. Uh, I would be surprised by that because we had a lot of new players. We had two new pitchers who were replacing two of the best that have ever played for us in both Paige Parker and Paige Lowry. I got a new shortstop who's replacing our captain. Uh, I got a new catcher who didn't get a lot of time behind the plate. Got a new center fielder. There's a lot of new positions. I've got. Grace Green playing first when Shea can't. So there's a lot of newness on the team. But what has made this group go truly is the senior class because they really embrace them. They know that they need these players to win. So they handled it the right way. It's not, why'd you do this? You know, I've had some upperclassmen that have been really hard on the, the new players. But this group really embraced these guys. And the more comfortable they got, the more you got to see them take off. Specifically, I, I think Grace Lyons has done a phenomenal job at shortstop. But Grace Green and the way she's hitting as a freshman, I didn't expect it. But they want to live in the world of these seniors. And when you're living in a world with Sid Romero and uh, Kaylee Clifton and Folly and Shay, you're going to have to elevate, and they're, they're doing that. So it's been really impressive to see from the young group. Patty, just one more thing on the street. Arizona has a record at 47 games, and, but they did that over two seasons in 96 and 97. You kind of looked back the other day about how much more parity there is now. Like, how much harder do you think 39 games is now versus maybe 47? Well, I'm not yeah. taking away anything from Arizona because they have been the elite program for a long, long time and absolutely dominant. For us in the schedule that we played, we lost to uh, the number two and number three team or wherever Florida State and UCLA are ranked. And we weren't very good early in the season. So what I really love is that these guys have been on the ropes and they've 
found ways to win a couple extra inning games. They come out and attack. They don't press. They don't push. They have confidence. They don't panic, which is really important. They don't think of we're losing by four. What if we don't? They just keep going. And they understand that as long as you give them an out to work with, they're going to find ways to do it. It's becoming a theme every year now, but um, how good is it to have home field throughout this thing? Uh, well, the fact that it sold out as quickly as it did is a testimony to not just our fans here in Oklahoma who have been dying to see us at home, so maybe that helped to make them a little more hungry to come out and buy a ticket. But um, I think they're proud of the Sooners and what they've accomplished, and they want to help them get to the next step. Home field advantage is off the charts when you have good fans. And one of the things that just makes me go wow in my lifetime is when I pull up two hours, two hours, 15 minutes prior to the game, and there are lines down the street waiting to get into the gates two and a half hours prior to game time. People are scalping tickets. People were scalping tickets to the Texas, OU Texas weekend for 300 plus bucks. And we're like, what? And that's exciting for us. That means people want to see good product, good games, all of that. So um, it's just a great time to be in this game and to, to kind of feel like the Sooners have a little bit of something to do with it, along with a lot of other programs. It uh, makes me really happy. Patty, how good is your pitching staff going in? I mean, you've had some of the best ever, so you know, how They're good. good. You look at their numbers, um, and we got a little bit of everything. So you've got Giselle from the left side. You've got Mariah throwing hard, good, biting rise balls. You've got Shannon throwing hard, mixing speeds. They, they can bring a lot of different looks. And um, if you look at their numbers, they're almost all completely even, and the ERA as a staff is almost under one. So they're really working to dominate hitters, and they're very prideful, but they also would give it up to our defense, who's been saving them quite a bit, too. What is the uh, sort of one-minute story on Cindy Romero's sort of, if she'd had just the year she had previously, she'd have a great season, but it's been, quite a bit, I mean, she's just sort of gone off. And uh, I said to her the other day, I said, you're slugging 848. She said, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> so, which, which I was hoping maybe says something about her. You know, she's, she's just playing. She's just playing. I think that's really the, how you could describe this team. If you ask them about things they don't know, they're oblivious. Some of them might know, but they just don't admit that they know. I don't show them numbers. We don't have stats posted. And it's not about that. It's not about that, and nor is it about the individual awards. But I think Sid Romero would tell you that she felt that she might have disappointed the team a little bit at this time last year because she started to really press, and it showed. And she wasn't having fun because she was trying to do so much for the team that she overdid it. She learned a valuable lesson, and that's what you're seeing right now. Cece learned a valuable lesson. Fale learned a valuable lesson. And that is why I think these guys are having great senior years, because they didn't perform the way they wanted to in postseason as juniors, and they want to do it right, and they know how.
Well, Sydney, when she talked to me, she complimented her strength coach, her hitting coach. But is 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 your am I getting from you that she relaxed more than that stuff, or maybe along with that stuff, she just relaxed? Absolutely, one hundred percent. And that's just again learning a great lesson of how not to go about it when you've got it. Why are you trying harder when you got it? And anytime you try harder in this game, you could tell a football player to hit harder or, you know, but in this game, it's like golf. It's just very, it's gotta be fast, it's gotta be free, it's gotta be smooth. And when you're trying to hit something harder over the fence, it's usually a routine pop-up. So we learned some good lessons and I think that's been carrying us along. 39 straight wins. Sooners look to make it 40. They haven't lost a home game since 2017, and tickets for this regional sold out in like two or three minutes. Absolutely unbelievable. Can't wait to see you out at Marita Hines Field tonight. Be loud and be proud, and if you can't make it, you can listen to us on 107.7 FM, AM 1560, and don't forget, doubleheader action starts for baseball today at 1 p.m. Have a great weekend, and until Tuesday's edition, of the game plan. Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.